0: I want you to take a moment and just kind of look around. In front of you, behind you. Look at these people here at church. Um, some familiar faces, yes? Maybe some not quite so familiar faces. Um, may- maybe you see somebody here that you haven't met before. The writer of the book of Hebrews points out that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses. And those witnesses include all of the people who have believed in God's promises across the generations, and even today. We are part of that great cloud of witnesses as you look around and you see one another to encourage us to to live this life of faith. Now, to look at here at Gloria Day, we're kind of a homogenous group like homogenated milk. Um, there are a few of us who have a little bit more melanin in our skins than others, but on the whole, we're pretty pale. And, and, and it's not quite like the scene that we read about in the book of Revelation, where there are people from every tribe and nation and language and, you know, just this huge diversity. And I'm not saying that makes us bad um, or that we've done something wrong. I think we're pretty reflective of our community. Hudson's like you know, 98.9% white or something like that. And you know that's just where we live. And even that being said, there really is an interesting diversity when you look around uh, in terms of backgrounds and experiences, views, opinions. And by the way, if you really wanna start a fight, tell a Swede and a Norwegian pretty much the same thing. When I was a student at uh, um, the seminary in St. Louis, I worked at a a church, Messiah Lutheran Church on South Grand, for those of you who are uh, familiar with the town, uh, which is an inner city church. And again, it was rather reflective of of the community that we were in. I remember looking out at the congregation and seeing second generation immigrants who still spoke Russian at home. And, And there were, Eritrean asylum seekers who were part of that congregation. There were Vietnamese immigrants who, their kids sat next to them and they whispered to tell them what the pastor was saying throughout the service because that's the only way that they would be able to understand. Uh, There were uh, Caucasians, there were African Americans, and there was even a very interesting number of homeless people uh, of all kinds of different backgrounds who were part of that, that church Every Sunday when we would gather, we saw a diversity of people from all tribes and peoples and languages there. But there was still, they were still part of that same great cloud of witnesses that surround us here. No matter how we look outwardly, we're part of that great multitude that no one could number crying out, Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. This is a, a shout of, of joy and celebration that goes up from God's people. This is, this is the moment when your team scores the winning touchdown. The scene that's, that we're reading about here in Revelation is that excitement when your favorite performer masterfully performs that favorite song. And you can't help but join in and and clap and applaud. It's standing before God in heaven and celebrating that Jesus has scored the winning blow that won our salvation when he died for our sins and he rose again. It's the excitement of hearing God's song and joining in to sing about our salvation When we look upon that that heavenly scene, those people gathered around the throne, it says these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They're dressed in white robes because they've been cleansed. Their sins have been washed away in Jesus' blood, just as Bob was talking about in the children's message. And they get to be there in that heavenly celebration where we will be one day after we die unless Jesus comes back first and so we often pray come Lord Jesus we must always remember that this life that we are living the world that we live in it is penultimate it's not it's, it's the second to the last it's, it's not the last place that we're going to live it's not our ultimate final home this is, this is our home and, and that we're going to live in, but it's not the home that we're going to live in forever. It's our home for now. But Jesus has prepared a better home for us. Those who have died, those who have come out of the great tribulation, that's life, by the way. Those who have come out of that great tribulation, they're already there. And one day, by God's grace, we will join them in a place where there's no more hunger. There's no more thirst. There's no more scorching heat. And even though it doesn't say that in the text, there won't be any frigid cold either. And there'll be no more death. Because death has been defeated. And we'll be sheltered by God and protected by Jesus. I like thinking about being part of that great cloud of, of witnesses and imagining being part of that, that great worship service around God's throne. I look forward to the day when we can see Jesus face to face and experience the fullness of the life that he has won for us. Remember, he says, that, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I don't know about you. I, I don't often feel like I'm really living a, a full life. I think that I, I will experience more of that when we get there. We'll, we'll experience it completely and totally. We still hold on to God's promises here. We hold on to those promises by faith. And someday, someday, but now we look around and... We know we're not there. So what do we see when we look at one another? As we we see the saints gathered in, in worship here on earth. Well, Matthew 5, I believe, gives us a hint. In Matthew 5, it says that Jesus saw the crowds and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Aren't our spirits poor, sometimes heartbroken and repentant as we feel the weight of our sin? Have you been there? Yours is the kingdom of heaven because Jesus came to save sinners. Blessed are those who mourn. Do we mourn? The sharp knife of sin separates us from those that we love, for those that that we might love, by breaking our relationships, by causing anger and offense, by bringing hurt, and ultimately by being the root cause of death. And we mourn the brokenness and the loss that sin brings. Have you been there? you shall be comforted. Because Christ is risen from the dead and has defeated sin for us, and he will bring us through this life to our final home where we will be, re- where we will be reconciled and we will be healed. Blessed are the meek. Now, meek is, I think, a misunderstood idea today. We seem to think that that if someone is meek, it means that they're wimps, that anybody can just kind of walk all over them. What this word really means is blessed are the gentle, the friendly, the kind, the considerate, the unassuming. Blessed are those who care about others, even while they have their own needs. Does that sound like a good thing? You shall inherit the earth because they walk humbly with God and with their neighbor. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They long to do what is right, finding that they fall short of the glory of God. They long for the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus and is delivered through his forgiveness. Have you been there? Wanting to do the right thing, finding that you just can't do it. And then really, boy, I need that forgiveness. You shall be satisfied. Because through the word, and in baptism, and in the Lord's Supper, Jesus delivers forgiveness, and he gives you his righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. We receive God's mercy when we receive his grace. This is a gift that he gives us. As people who have received mercy, how do we not share it? It's part of our lives. It changes us. It marks us. Have you experienced that mercy and been moved to mercy for someone else? You shall receive mercy because God's mercy is rich and abundant, and it empowers us because Jesus is coming again. Blessed are the pure in heart. When we're pure in heart, we want everything that is good, and ultimately, God is good, and we want Him, His will, His glory. His kingdom. You shall see God when Christ returns. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do we live in a world that needs peace? Even peace that surpasses human understanding? We're entrusted with a message of reconciliation. That God has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus' sacrifice. And that we are reconciled to one another through the forgiveness that Jesus has won, that forgiveness that we share together. You shall be called children of God. See what kind of love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God. And we are. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not just persecuted, catch that. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you falsely on my account. Is Jesus worth suffering for? Is the hope that We are reconciled to God and we have everlasting life enough to get us through the the barbs, the mockery, and the sharp words that we sometimes experience because of our faith. Is the hope of forgiveness of sins and everlasting life through Jesus' death and resurrection worth suffering and even dying for, as some of our brothers and sisters around the world do? Indeed it is. And friends, this is what it looks like to be a saint on this side of heaven. Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. To the world, saints often look foolish. Foolish. Shabby, weak, and out of touch. But inside, there is glory. The glory of God within us. The love of God that moves us to love our neighbors for Christ's sake. There is salvation because salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. And he has given us mouths to receive that salvation spoken in the word and tasted in the Lord's Supper. Mouths that proclaim the salvation so that others may receive it. Mouths that speak freely of this gift for all who will believe in Jesus. The lamb who was slain for our sins and who lives forever as the shepherd of his people. Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. And we are his children. We are God's children now. And what we shall be has not yet appeared. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who hopes in him seeks to live a pure life. Because he is pure. Amen.